Well, the weather has definitely turned a little bit colder, and, um, but I was thankful for the sunshine today, because as I was coming down um, on the freeway, I knew that today we were going to get to celebrate a baptism, and I was thinking, whoa, man, it's a little chilly out here today, but then I looked east, and I could see the sun rising, and I thought, all right, there's going to be some hope later today. That sun is going to warm up that water and it's going to be just fine. And then I got here and I noticed that our baptism pool is uh, set up in the shade. But what it reminded me of was the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. When I saw that sun rising and I was so hopeful that the water was going to be warmed up. But what that water really represents is the deep abiding forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. And so whether the water is warm or whether the water is cold, the water signifies something that's simply true for all of us who say yes to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And the water says this, that when we go down under the water, we die to Christ. And when we come up out of the water, we're raised with Christ again into new life. And that new life we have in Jesus Christ because it's Jesus Christ that forgives us of all of our sins. Not just the little ones, the big ones, all of them, the middle-sized ones. And that's what we're going to look at a little bit today. We're going to look at forgiveness. God's forgiving grace among us. So just to give you an overview of where we're going for the whole month of November, November is actually going to begin a new series, and we're going to look at giving, and it's there on the front of your program, but we're going to start off with forgiving, God's forgiving nature, God's forgiving quality, and that's what we're going to look at today. And then next week, we're going to look at actually our response That as Christian disciples, as followers of Jesus, how does our giving show up as a part of discipleship? And then the third week in November, we're going to look at thanksgiving, and we're going to look at reasons that we give thanks and praise and worship to God. That's also the Sunday that we're going to be collecting our pledging and our commitments for next year, next financial year, the things that we're praying about that we are going to commit to God. So that third Sunday is going to be when we're going to receive the pledges back that uh, we will give for God's work at GRX. And then the fourth Sunday, as Jen talked about, we're going to enact our giving. We're going to, as a community, enact our worship. And we're going to make these shoebox gifts with Samaritan's Purse, Operation Christmas Child. And we're going to actually do that as a part of our worship. And what that will remind us is that our worship isn't simply coming on Sunday and listening to this talk that I give or listening to the music or singing worship songs together. The very act of our worship is how we live and how we give our lives. And so we're going to enact our worship and live into our giving by actually doing that on the last Sunday of November. And so that's going to be the pinnacle. That's going to be the high point. And, and that's a great Sunday as well to invite other folks to come and say, this is what Christians do. You have friends or coworkers, family members 
they want to check out GRX, the last Sunday of November will be a time for them to come and participate and say, this is what Christians do. This is how we give our lives away. It'll also be a little bit chaotic, I think, but just to prepare you now, um, we're preparing and trying to plan for that, but it'll be a joyful kind of chaos where we as the community get to enact our worship and live into what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ. But today we're going to talk about forgiving and the forgiving quality of God. It's an expression of God's love. And what we're going to see is that God is going to forgive someone. And then out of that forgiveness, call that person into a purpose. Call that person into a way of being and a way of living that restores them that restores them to all that God wants them to be. So with that, let me pray for us, and then we'll get into our text. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are a forgiving God. And I pray, God, that as we open up this passage of Scripture today, that you would speak to us, and that you, God, would touch the places in our hearts and in our lives where we might still need your forgiving goodness and grace. So God, we give our time to you. We give our hearts and our minds to you as we sit before your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This Sunday, which is the first in the series of this giving series, will actually dovetail us out of John because it'll be the last chapter in the book of John. And what it is, is when Peter and Jesus have this incredible encounter by the Sea of Tiberias. Just by way of background, so you know where Peter is coming out of, the last time we see Peter and Jesus in proximity together is when Peter denies that he knows Jesus Christ at all. It's back in John chapter 18 when when Jesus is on trial and there's all of this incredible pressure around Jesus. There's all this incredible persecution. Jesus is arrested by this whole mob of people and he's taken off to be on trial before Caiaphas, the high priest. Everyone is falling away from Jesus. Everyone is falling away. And Peter follows a little bit at a distance just to sort of keep track of what's going on with Jesus. And then around a fire where Peter is warming himself, he's asked, three times, aren't you with Jesus? Don't you, aren't you a Galilean? Aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? And three times, Peter says, no, I'm not with him. Three times, Peter denies that he knows Jesus or has anything to do with Jesus. Three times, he denies Jesus. And then you know the story that then a rooster crows three times. And that reminds Peter that Jesus had actually foretold that. That he actually said, hey Peter, I know you love me, but before the cock crows three times, before the rooster crows three times, you're gonna deny me. And Peter does. It's a big failure in the life of Peter because he denies Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. So now that is all the background that brings us to this passage in John chapter 21 
And this is the next time that we see Peter and Jesus in proximity to each other. So if you have your Bibles and you want to open up to it, it's John chapter 21, starting at verse 1. Jesus has been revealing himself again to the, to the disciples, and he's revealed himself two other times, and that's where it comes after this. So then after this, after Jesus revealed himself to the other disciples, Jesus reveals himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So that's what they do in the first century. They go out into the boat at night and then they fish at night. So they're fishing all night and they don't catch anything. And just as the day was breaking, just as the sun was rising, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it out. They threw the net out into the air. That's that casting the net. It opens up and it lands into the water. And then these weights will bring it down to the bottom of the ocean and they'll just catch whatever fish happened to be covered by the net. That's how they fished in the first century. So they cast their nets out onto the right side of the boat. And now, as they were started to pull it in by a rope, they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, John, therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. They're out in the boat and then they look and they point to that guy that tells them to throw it out on the other side and they say, it's the Lord. And then when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. He was so excited that he was Jesus. Simon Peter was so excited to now encounter Jesus after his denial. And he just couldn't wait. He just put on his outer garment and he threw himself into the ocean. He threw himself into the sea. Not the ocean, it was the Sea of Tiberias. He threw himself into the sea. And the other, bo- the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards. And when they had gotten on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard, hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although they were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. They knew it was the Lord because of the miracle and they had seen so many miracles that Jesus did. So they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And so now you've got this scene. Peter, so excited to see the Lord, 
But then also Peter, who the last time he was close to the Lord had denied Jesus three times. And I just imagine that at this point in the story, at this point in the interaction, I wonder if Peter was playing in his mind all of the guilt and maybe the shame that he had from the last time that he was anywhere near Jesus. I wonder if Peter at this point is thinking, man, the last time I was anywhere near Jesus, I denied him and I said I didn't know him at all. And now he's here and I'm sitting here and Jesus is sitting over there and Jesus has sort of grilled up some fish for us and Jesus had given me some bread and I'm eating with Jesus, but I'm just kind of sitting here with him. And I wonder if for Peter, there was just kind of this awkward silence. Like, I wonder what Jesus is going to say to me next. I wonder if Jesus is going to say, hey, Peter, you really blew it when we, were with, when, when we were together last time. I wonder if Peter is worried that Jesus is going to bring all this kind of judgment down on him, all this kind of condemnation. I wonder if Peter is thinking, I wonder if Jesus is going to kick me out of being one of the disciples because I had this epic fail. That brings us to this passage which points to how profound God's forgiveness is for Peter. You're going to see that Jesus doesn't bring up all this other stuff. He only asks Peter this one question. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Amen, amen, I say to you, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And he said this to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God, that's Peter. And after saying these things, he said to him, follow me. What's going on here? I mean, Simon Peter, the apostle Peter, the leader of the disciples, a hero of our faith. What's going on right here in this encounter? We see that Jesus is radically forgiving Peter 
by bringing him back to relationship, by bringing him back into identity, and by bringing him back into a calling that will call him to lead his people. We see the restorative power of Jesus Christ and the forgiving power of Jesus Christ because he doesn't bring condemnation or judgment to Peter, but he invites him back into being with him and leading within the community. This word Peter, it's the name that actually Jesus Christ gave him. But if you notice in this passage, Jesus calls him by a different kind of name. He calls him Simon, son of John. Did you notice that? In a close reading of this passage, Jesus three times doesn't say, Peter, do you love me? He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And I think that's significant because when Jesus first met this man, Simon, that's his name, Simon, son of John. It's in the first chapter of the book of John. John chapter 1, verse 42. When Jesus first meets John, he calls him by his family name, by his original name, who he is, his core identity. He is Simon, son of John. And then it's Jesus himself who says, but Simon, son of John, I will call you Cephas, which is in the Aramaic language, it means rock. And that's where in the Greek language we get Petra. And so Cephas is translated into Petra. And that's where we get the word Peter. And that's why we know Peter as Simon Peter. Because it's a name that Jesus has given Peter. He has given Peter, Petra, Cephas, the name of the rock. And that's what Jesus calls Peter to be. A rock, stable, dependable, solid, something that you can anchor onto, something that is steady. But if you think about who Simon Peter was when he denied Jesus Christ, he was anything but the rock. He was anything but stable. He was anything but solid. The rock was cracked. The rock broke under pressure. And I wonder about that. As Simon Peter is sitting there, I wonder if he's thinking, man, I am not worthy of this name that Jesus has given me. And then I see Jesus coming up in this passage and he doesn't call him Peter. He doesn't evoke any of that shame that Peter might be feeling around that name. What Jesus says is, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Even before the rock and even before the failure and even before the breaking, Simon Son of John, do you love me? It's as if Jesus calls to Simon all the way back and is basically saying, hey, you know what? Let's reset. Remember way back when I first met you? 
Let's go all the way back and let's redo this. And let's get to the very basics again and say, hey, from that very first moment that I met you all the way until now, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, I love you. And then he says, feed my sheep. Now, I don't know what you bring with you when you come. You know, I've gotten to know people more and more here at GRX. And I think that within our stories, each of us might carry some of this stuff like what Simon Peter carries. That each of us carry in our lives some kind of time in our life where we felt like we were perhaps an epic fail with Jesus. We felt like the thing that we were doing, maybe, man, I don't know if Jesus can forgive this. I don't know if God can forgive this. There might be something in your life that you hold like that. And maybe people here at GRX, they don't know it. Maybe people in your small group, they don't know it. Maybe people even in your family, they don't know it. But deep down, you're thinking, man, this is a time where I really failed, where I really blew it. And man, I don't know if even God can forgive this. I don't even know if Jesus can forgive this. I mean, I know Jesus forgives a lot of sins. I know Jesus will forgive if I kind of lie, or I know if Jesus will forgive me if I lose my temper. But I don't know if Jesus will really forgive me of this, of this thing. In the life of Simon Peter, Simon Peter did just about the worst thing he could do. He denied Jesus Christ. In the time when everyone was falling away, Simon Peter even said, I'm never going to deny you. But even Simon Peter denied Jesus Christ. There's this thing that came to me while I was preparing this sermon, and I want to make sure I get it right, so I want to read it. It's just important that I think you hear this. We can never out-sin God's love. We can never out-sin God's love. If you're grappling with something in your past or in your history where you just feel like, man, God can't forgive this. God wants to break you out of that. Maybe today, maybe this Sunday, this is why you're here. Because God wants to break you out of that. We can never out-sin God's love. And see, that's what God was doing with Simon Peter. Because I wonder if Simon Peter was feeling like, man, this is too big. God can't forgive this. I'm not going to go build the church. I think what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to get a few guys together. I'm going to go do something I know how to do. I'm going to go do something I'm good at. It's not a big vision for my life, but it'll put food on the table. 
I'll go fishing. And I wonder if in his sadness and in his sin and in his brokenness, he just got kind of small with his life. And Jesus wants to break Simon Peter out of that. And so he says, Simon, son of John, let's redo this. And let's break you out of this. And do you love me? And Simon Peter says, yeah, I love you. And then Jesus calls him to something really big. He says, feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Feed my sheep. It was to Simon Peter that Jesus said, you are Petra, you are Cephas, you are the rock, and on you we're going to build the church. Peter, we're going to build the church on you. You're going to be the rock. Big vision. But don't get trapped in your past. Don't get trapped in your sin. Don't get trapped in your brokenness. Feed my sheep, Peter. Feed my sheep. And then what happens with Peter is so exciting. In the book of Acts, you see this man. You see Peter who preaches boldly for the kingdom. This man who was with his mouth denied Jesus Christ now turns around and preaches and proclaims Jesus Christ boldly that the forgiveness of God transforms a person who denies Jesus to a person who boldly proclaims Jesus Christ. That's what God's forgiving power does. For us, don't get trapped in our sin. You cannot out-sin God's love for you. God's love and forgiveness covers you. Everything you've done. Everything. And yeah, that thing right now, that oh, I don't know if God can forgive that. Yeah, he's forgiven that too. To end this sermon, I'd like to lead us in a bit of an exercise. And I just, like, I just ask that you would um, just sit where you are and just sit comfortably where you are. I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes. And then I'm gonna invite you to imagine. I'm gonna invite you to imagine all of us there in that scene with Peter and Jesus Christ by the sea. And there we are there with them. And imagine them and imagine that you are one of the disciples and that you have just listened to Jesus and Peter have this dialogue. And you hear Jesus say, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And you hear Peter say, yes, Lord, I love you. And then Jesus says, tend my sheep. And then Jesus turns to you and calls you by name. And he says your name. And then he asks you, do you love me?
How do you respond? We say, yes, Lord, I love you. And then Jesus calls you. What is Jesus' call for your life? Feed my sheep? Build my community? Serve diligently? Seek to be reconciled? Welcome the newcomer. Give generously to the poor. Speak truth in love. Jesus asked each one of us today, do you love me? I've forgiven you. And I want to call you into a life that will glorify me. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus Christ, you call us. You don't just forgive us for our own sakes that we feel good, but you call us, God, into a new way of living, into a new way of being, into a new way of giving our lives away to build your kingdom. And so, God, we come to you and say, yes, Lord, we love you. Yes, Lord, we want to follow you. Yes, Lord, we want to be faithful and we want to hear your voice to call us, God, to that work, that big call, that big vision that you want us to do. God, you will give us the power to do it. You will give us the strength to do it. God, so empower us as a people to live into what you call us to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.